small town or big city, everyone has a story. Welcome to TK's A Brigade, the music series. I am your host, TK. Today, my guest hails from Nashville, Tennessee by way of Bend, Oregon. His name is Lonnie Chapin. Interesting enough, Lonnie and I actually met 20 years ago in Estes Park. And I will share that story with you in this series. We are going to do a two-part series with Lonnie's journey about music and life. So I hope you enjoy it. So tune in now here on TK's A Brigade. Welcome to season four of TK's A Brigade. That's right. I'm TK. And today I have a super special guest. And I say super special because I honestly did not think that I would get to talk with this person today and he honored me by saying yes so welcome to the show Lonnie hi buddy how are you man I'm doing great man you know Christmas is right around the corner and uh, my wife's birthday was yesterday and nice uh, well happy birthday to your wife yes yes exciting enough about me brother awesome that you're coming on today man and I love the fact that um, you and your brother play music. But let's start at the beginning and uh, yeah. just tell me where you started in music, your journey, and, and I'll shut up. Yeah. Um, dude, we're preacher's kids, man. My brother Chad, who's five years younger than I am, he started playing drums when he was seven. Wow. I was 12, and okay. so we're five years apart. I started playing bass, and uh, yeah, dad cleared out the garage and uh, put laid down some carpet in the garage and bought Chad a drum set and me an old PV bass with an old massive PV amp, and the bass was bigger than I was at that time, <laughs> dude, and it was so heavy, you know, because I wanted to strap that thing on, you know, and run around the garage like I was pretending to be this rock star, you know, but I couldn't. Because it was so heavy, I would literally fall over and be exhausted just running one time down the garage. You oh, know what man. I'm saying? Dude, I was like, this is just, yeah. So so that's how Chad and I started playing and played in church. And, and what's funny about being preacher's kids, dude, when you come from a musical family, you kind of have to learn to play all the instruments because at one point or another, um, somebody's going to call dad in the morning and say, Hey, I'm sorry. I can't make it to church this morning. Yep. And then he, he turns to one of his boys and says, well, you got to play drums or you got to play the piano, yep. you know, because this person, you're like, I don't, I don't know how to play those things. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, yes. it, and it doesn't matter at that point, you know, because you, you're doing it for God and you just get up there and you just, you fake it as hard as you possibly can. <laughs> and it's the only venue the only venue tk where you can suck so bad <laughs> and the people still come up to you afterwards oh. and go that was fantastic you were amazing oh it's man. the only venue in the entire world other than that any other venue whether you go to austin or nashville or new york city they will laugh you right off that stage oh, but man. not at church dude oh, no not at church right no they, they that that audience dude is just Happy that the Chapin boys are up there playing and it sounds <laughs> awful. So that's how we cut our teeth, man. Okay. Uh, just playing and playing together in dad's garage, mom and dad's garage, dude. And just starting to um, develop that we didn't even know was really even a thing, how uh, blood is so powerful when it comes to a rhythm section with mm. bass and drums. Amen. You know, and then growing up, growing up like that and playing in church and in youth group and, and starting to really... Uh, hone in our craft uh, as young musicians and then eventually 
developing into this passion that this is we knew at that at a certain point that this is what we were born to do wow and so when we finally got to that point uh after after uh high school after chad graduated high school we moved to nashville tennessee dude we loaded up the rider truck we were, we're from bend oregon and uh, which is a long way from nashville yeah. but we knew we were supposed to be in music and uh, nashville was the spot you had to be if you're going to be in the gospel music industry you know yeah. so yeah one morning we got up and it was the end of february and this was uh 96 1996 oh, uh, end of february we loaded up our rider truck dude and we both had both had cars and we both had harley davidson's uh at that point wow and, my car was nicer than Chad's, but Chad's <laughs> motorcycle was nicer than mine. Hey. So we sold we sold Chad's car and we sold my motorcycle, my Harley, and uh, we towed uh, my car and put Chad's Harley in the back of the uh, U-Haul uh, with uh, bunk beds, dude, and uh, a couple other little things, and that was it. And off to Nashville, dude. Wow, that's a store and a half, brother. It was crazy with about a foot of snow on the ground. Because it had snowed about a foot that the night before we left, so when we woke up, we were like, "Oh my gosh!" So we had to go down to the tire company um, and and buy some uh, some uh, stuff for our for the tires, some chains for the tires, so we could get over the pass right. while we started heading east. You're right. And so off we went, man. And uh, yeah. a couple of days later, we landed in Nashville, and that was that was the start of of some amazing things that were about to happen in our lives. Now, when you you said you came from Bend, right? So when you were in Bend, yeah. had you uh, had you been following the Christian music scene as far as what was happening, you know, like in and around Nashville, or was it like you just kind of decided, hey, you know what, Nashville is the place we got to be since we're gospel players that we need to go there, um, or was there like a band or was there somebody in Nashville that kind of drew you guys there that said, hey, let's go see if we can connect with this person or go play with that person. Yeah, um, no, we just wanted to play music. It didn't matter really with who, okay, necessarily. And and, and we found out through like some people that we had met who lived in Nashville that that's where everybody is. All the management companies, all the record labels, the Christian record labels was all in Nashville. Right, it was all right. right there. So we figured, well, if we we're gonna go play with somebody, you know. Um, then we had to be in Nashville and we had to do auditions and different things like that, you know, try to get on a, on a tour with somebody or whatever. Right. And so that was it. That's, and, but we grew up listening to Christian music because we came from a home um, where you couldn't listen to anything but Christian music. Yes. So yeah. So secular music, mainstream music was not allowed into the home. Uh, Van Halen for the first time at a, a buddy's house and I was like what in the world is this and it was Jump <laughs> oh yes it was Jump from night from the album uh, 1984 um, and I was just like oh my gosh dude what is this because I'd only been listening to Bill Gaither vocal band oh and, boy uh, in, the Imperials you know and stuff like this that we could only listen to and, and old school praise and worship tapes you know what I'm saying, dude? Yes. That's kind of where we learned to play was listening to those albums. Uh, and that's and learning what the bass was doing. And that's how dad was teaching me how to play bass. So when I heard some of this for the first time, dude, I, it just was like it was eye opening. And the world all of a sudden opened up to me as a player. 
Um, and so on my Amy Grant cassette tapes, I would take, you know how you had the dual cassette tape recorders back oh, in yes. the day? Oh, yes. So I would take my Amy Grant tape, but then I would borrow, then I would take, um, I, would, I would borrow like uh, Def Leppard and Van Halen <laughs> and ACDC and Led Zeppelin album uh, cassette tapes. And then I would put tape over the tabs of the Amy Grant tape. Okay. And record and record over the Amy Grant tape would be Def Leppard in these bands and Van Halen and stuff like that. So you could record right over all of that stuff if you put tape over the tabs yeah. and you'll be able to get record on both of them. I was just going to ask you that. Yep, the tape over the tabs. Yep. So you could, yep, I do remember that. So my little Sony, yeah, my little Sony Walkman, bro, mom and dad be like, hey, who are you listening to? And I would just open it up and show them, and it would say Amy Grant. It yep. showed, you know, said Amy, but on the inside of that tape was a bootleg version of uh, Hysteria from Def Leppard. Oh, you know, it, it was just and so that's how I would sneak that stuff in to be able to listen to it and, and not get in trouble, not get grounded. Right. So Absolutely. that was how that's how all of that and the love for like rock and roll and funk and different things all came into play because, you know, that was not allowed in our, in our house. Right. As a kid. I grew up in the church, too, bro. In fact, when you say like. The Institute of Church, right? The Institute of the of the body and, and trying to uh, encourage us as youth to follow a certain path. But then the music thing, because me, same thing. I grew up on, do you ever heard of a band called Farrell and Farrell? Oh, of course, dude. Okay. Yeah, Bob Farrell. I worked with him later on. Oh, see? Okay, so, so I had the 45s, man. I had the records of those guys. And yeah, I was I allowed Farrell, to listen Farrell, to them. And so, you know, you put those guys on and then... When Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith came out, I mean, forget about it, right? Like, it was, oh, we can listen to these guys? Like, you know, and my friends are listening to Guns N' Roses and, you know, Skid Row and Motley Crue. And and I'm like, okay, I can't listen to those guys, but I can listen to, you know, like Striper and Petra. And so, you know, there was that caveat of of music that, you know, you've got the Christian, you know, side of it, but then you got the secular side. And it was funny because, yeah, same thing. I try to bring in like another bad creation or Belle Biv DeVoe, and my mom's like, "What is that?" And I'm like, um, "Yeah, some, totally." Some East Coast stuff, and she's like, "Not in this house." I'm like, "Really? Come on, mom, <laughs> this is good music." She's like, "No, it's not. That's the devil's music." I'm like, "Okay." So, yep. But uh, that's it, dude. Yeah, and the older, and as I got older, and the popularity then of Christian rock that was coming into play at that point in time, it was really cool because all of a sudden, Whiteheart and Petra and Res Band Res and I was listening band, to yeah. more of that stuff you know and it still wasn't at the caliber you know of Van Halen and stuff like that in the mid 80s but yet it was like oh my gosh there's this rad alternative yep. that I had not seen before um, you know and so I really started diving into some of those bands um, you know and Russ Taff was one of my favorites oh, yes. growing up as a kid um, you know, and some of the rock that he was putting out at that point, you know, was just groundbreaking in Christian music. Yes. Um, and, it, you know, and as, oh, as, yeah. as well as Petra and Whiteheart. And they were really paving the way for some for some really great artists later on. Um, and so, yeah, it wasn't too much longer after my indulgence into a lot of that Christian rock scene that we moved to Nashville at that point. And uh, and it was just like, yeah, it was eye opening for me once i got me and chad landed in nashville we knew one guy and he let us stay in his apartment he had a two-bedroom apartment 
So we luckily had bunk beds that we <laughs> that we had. Nice. So there's these two grown boys, dude, in bunk beds living <laughs> right? in this apartment, bro, in in Nashville, Tennessee, out by the airport. Oh, and, okay. Uh, B&A, yeah, yeah. And, and that's where that's where we landed, dude. And immediately we started looking for jobs because we didn't know have any jobs whatsoever lined up. Just had a place to stay. And so we started looking for jobs. And there was this, um, the buddy that we were living with, he was good friends with some people that were throwing a party. And so Chad and I are like, yeah, dude, let's, let's go party. We'll meet some people, you know. Um, and so went and I met this kid. Uh, his name was Ron DeMumbrum. And he uh, uh, was the merchandise manager for Whiteheart. Oh, wow. And so he was touring with them and had been touring with them for a couple, two, three years or so, um, doing all their merchandise. And so he was asking me, so what are you doing in town um, from Oregon? And I was like, yeah, I'm a bass player, just looking for a gig, you know, looking at, at getting on somewhere and, and playing. And so he was like, oh, that's cool, man. And that was about the extent of the conversation. Um, two weeks later, I get a phone call from Billy Smiley from Whiteheart. And uh, he... Wow. He says, hey, I was talking with Ron. We're heading out on the road. We're doing this tour called the Salt Box Tour. And uh, we need a a stage manager out on the road with us. Would you be willing to possibly do that? Ron was saying that you're a bass player, um, but you do play guitar, little keyboards, you know, uh, and your brother's a drummer. And so you've been like around drums your whole life. And so I'm like, oh, yeah. 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 And at this point, I'm freaking out because it's Billy Smiley on the phone. Right. With me. And I'm just like, oh, my God, what? This is crazy. So yeah. he's like, hey, we're heading out for two months. Um, would wow. you be willing to do that? This is what it pays. And which was absolutely nothing. Sure. Um, but I was I didn't care. I was like, oh, yeah. my gosh, yeah, I'm going out on the road with Whiteheart. I'm like, this is, this is insane. I'm going to be riding the bus with these guys that I grew up listening to. Yep. Let's go. Absolutely idolizing as a bass player. Yep. Let's so, go. yeah. So I'm like, yeah, you betcha. So, yeah, uh, it was a couple days later. I'm on a tour bus with the guys from Whiteheart. And I, once I get out on that tour, I realize that they're opening up for Petra. And uh, oh, in, in this, 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 this tour that Petra had put together, which was Petra's headlining, then under them was Whiteheart, and then under Whiteheart was uh, Grandma Train, this three-piece from Seattle. I don't know if you remember, they were more right out of that grunge scene coming okay. out, and they were starting to gain massive traction in the Christian world as a grunge Christian band, which wow. a lot of people in the South did not like whatsoever. <laughs> Nothing, um, yeah. They didn't like none of that. Yeah. I agree, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then another rock band that was up and coming called Johnny Q Public. And I've heard of that. These four bands. Pet, yeah, Petra headlining the whole thing, putting it on. So I was like, wow, dude, I had no idea. I'm like, Petra? I'm like, shoot, I'll get to see and meet John Schlitt, you know, and Louis Weaver. I was like, holy crap, bro. I grew up listening to these fat heads, dude, for, <laughs> since I was a little boy. Yep. Since oh, I yeah. was a little boy. And I was like, and I was remembering back the very first cassette tape I ever bought with my own money was Beat the System from Petra. Oh, boy. Let's go. Yeah. That's old school, So man. I was like, old school, dude. And so I was like, oh, so stoked about it. So I was huffing all of Whiteheart's gear for two months, dude. Just setting everything up, huffing their gear. It was me and one other guy. And halfway through the tour, that guy quit. And so it was just me, dude. And oh, I was man. huffing puffing gear and it was city to city to city to city for two months solid halfway through that tour uh ronnie cates the bass player for petra who had been with them for like nine years 
um, said after this tour, he goes, I'm done, I'm out. Wow. And so, yeah, and I kind of hear it through the grapevine halfway through that the tour and stuff like that. I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, that's crazy. This Joker has been with Pepper forever, man. I remember watching these guys on TV and buying the VHS tapes of their concerts and stuff like that and watching this kid play bass. And uh, so really didn't think much of it. Um, so the tour finished and I get a call from John Schlitt and Bob Hartman. And at this time, Bob Hartman's not on the road with him. Uh, a kid from Portland was playing guitar for Petra at this at this point in time, named Gabe Lichens, who became a really good friend of mine on the tour. Nice. Um, and uh, and Bob Hartman, John Schlitt, they're like, "Hey, Lonnie, we, uh, uh, you know, watching you from a distance while you were setting up White Heart stuff, and and uh, watching you play their bass, um, you know, getting it all set up for them, and." Uh, want to know if you want to come in and uh learn the set we have uh we have three shows coming up in two weeks and we don't have a bass player and want to see if you'd be willing to do this and it'll be kind of like your audition if you will let's get together and see how you do and i'm like oh 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 my god dude right like yes but i've only got two weeks to learn this set that's two hours long oh mercy i'm like that's a long set i'm like it's a long set dude petra we always did long sets oh yes because there was so much history that people wanted to hear also from old school greg x volts days of petra that we had to play a lot of different stuff you know throughout uh throughout a a, a whole set of petra so i'm just like all right done so they gave me the board tape to learn the set and i had listened to the set you know for two months because i'd go out uh, by the soundboard and listen to Petra's set because I was just such a huge fan as a yeah. kid, you know, and hearing him do this whole thing and watching the whole thing go down. Um, and I, and I just had a great relationship with the guys in Petra while I was out on that tour. Um, half the time I'd ride the Petra bus, and then half the time I was back on the Whiteheart bus, <laughs> just because I, I I built a, such a great relationship with the guys from Petra between John and Louie and and uh, and Dave, the guitar player at that point. And so, yeah, that's when John and, and uh, Bob Hartman called me up and I'm like, all right, I'm in. So, man, two weeks, dude, solid in my bedroom with that cassette tape, that board tape, listening and re- trying to memorize and learn every song that they did. And then we had rehearsals. We had uh, two days of rehearsals at John's basement here in Franklin, Tennessee. So we roll up, I roll up in there, dude. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I just don't know if I'm ready yet, you know for this big moment because i'm 26 now at this point and this is 97 98 this this is 96 96 oh we're still okay this is still still in 96 dude because we landed in nashville march first of march of uh 96 i leave for this tour uh in april Man, talk about a quick turnaround, bro. Wow. That's awesome. I I, I landed the Whiteheart thing uh, in April then of 96. Okay. We were out on the road April, all of April, all of May. So this is now the first part of June that I am now sitting in John's basement. Oh, man. With these guys. Bob Hartman is there also to listen, um, not to play, but to listen um, and put out his, his opinion. Sure. Uh, about me at that point. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, dude, yeah, from 
from three months of me moving to Nashville, not knowing anybody. Now I'm in, in the basement of the biggest rock Christian rock band in the entire world. Let's go. It's just <laughs> it's mind boggling oh, man. to me at this, at this point. And I'm just like this punk preacher's kid, dude, from a small mountain town in Oregon, dude, right in the middle of the state. Wow. So I'm just like, man, what the hell am I doing here, bro? Because this is just, <laughs> oh man, this is, this is just crazy right yeah. now. So we dive into rehearsals, those two days of rehearsals, and uh, we leave uh, on the tour bus uh, that last day of rehearsal that night at midnight. Hop on the tour bus, and we're heading to Dallas, Texas. So have my first show in Dallas, and it goes okay, uh, not amazing. But I, I made it through. Uh, the second night, uh, bro, we were up in. Uh, second night was up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Third night was uh, Chicago, Illinois. Oh wow! After that, th- after that third night, I was really, really getting my bearings, dude. Because it's there's twelve thousand people right at these shows yeah. every night. You know, it's not like a small club, and now you have this massive stage, and you now you really have to perform. Right. It's not like you're in church anymore in front of, you know, three, four hundred people. Um, now you have to perform in the biggest Christian rock band in the world at this point. Yeah. And it's like, how are you going to step up now? Leaning back on all those moments in dad's garage with you and your brother playing, you know, and dreaming about being in a, in a rock band and a Christian rock band. Um, and so my mind dude from those first few times stepping on that stage in those three shows in a row um was just like all right dude you've been preparing for this you know yep. for quite a few years now as you're cutting your teeth yep. you know uh playing praise and worship stuff and then you know sneaking in Whiteheart or sneaking in Def Leppard and ACDC and Van Halen now to actually having to perform in front of 12,000 people so after the show in Chicago, uh, we had two tour buses. One bus was all the crew, and the other bus was band and, and management. And so John calls all the crew in after the show uh, there in Chicago, calls all the crew into the band bus, and so we're all sitting in there. And John Schlitt introduces me as the new bass player for Petra. Oh, man. That's got to have been, like, that, that's like a, one of those, like, pinnacle moments of your career I mean, especially like with what you just said, growing up in a small mountain town and then coming into one of the biggest or the biggest Christian rock band at that moment. And they're like, oh, hey, by the way, here's our new bass player. And you're like, oh, wait, you're talking to me, right? I mean, like, <laughs> Dude, was, oh, that's surreal. Oh, it was so surreal, bro. I couldn't I, I couldn't imagine it. it. It was hard for me to believe that now I was playing in this iconic Christian rock band, yeah. you know. Um, that will go down as one of the best-selling uh, rock bands ever in Christian music. Ever. And Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I crawl in my bunk, dude, that night, and I, I literally cry. Mm. I'm, I'm crying in my bunk, dude. I'm so happy. And it's just the most crazy thing. And my mind is just reeling back about those first time, those first few times I went and bought Petra Records and Whiteheart Records with my own money, you know, and yeah. dreaming about possibly getting to play um, even just music, not even with those guys, because that was unattainable, you know, as a kid right. because of how massive they were at that time in the 80s and in the 90s. And so, so to be in that bunk then, and right below me was Louis Weaver, and right across oh. the hallway in our bus was 
John Slit. And I'm like, I cannot believe this, dude. This is insane. Insane. I'm just a punk preacher's kid, man. <laughs> I love that. I love that, man. You should make a t-shirt that says that. I'm a punk preacher's kid. That's dope. I love that. So, but anyways, yeah. Punk preacher's kid, dude. <laughs> All right. So you're on the bus. Yeah. You're 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 on tour with Petra. You're living out a dream yeah. that you have been like just here's the reality of dreams because i think as an, an artist as a musician you know we all and i can say we all and i don't know i can't speak on everybody but i can say collectively that being in a environment or on a stage in front of twelve thousand people being on a tour bus playing different shows you know getting that notoriety having that ability to step up and say okay this is my craft I was able to learn this craft, whatever it is, whether it's vocals or, you know, bass guitar. And you step out on that stage and you hear that, and you're like, okay, I'm here. Like, what else yep. is there to uh, to accomplish, right? I mean, and I don't say that yeah. for everybody, but that's, you know, working with artists over the years, you know, that's the one thing that I've always learned is that when you hit that pinnacle, when you hit that mountaintop where it's like, okay, um, I got a number one hit, you know, I've toured the world, you know, I've, I've sold millions of records. It's like, what do I do next? But here you are in, in in a tour bus with some of your like you know guys that you've just admired and grown up on, and now you're like you can just lean over the bus like or over the over your bunch bunk and be like, hey Louis, what's up, man? And yeah, I'm gonna be carrying yeah. the bass line with you as you play drums to Beyond Belief, right? Which is one of my favorite yeah. picture songs. But so same. Oh my gosh. So okay, I didn't mean yeah. to cut you out, man. I just uh, just thinking about it and the the adoration yeah. for you, bro. I can feel it because. I'm with you, man. I grew up on Petra. I grew up on those guys. And, and to be able to yeah. just uh, sit in the same room and have a conversation, let alone be like, okay, I'm part of the crew now. I'm not just somebody yeah. that's standing in the front row. Like, I'm actually up here on stage with you guys. So so you're on tour with Petra, and you guys are just yeah. playing big arenas. I mean, you're starting to live yeah. out your dream. And, and so, yeah, I'm going to let you continue yeah. uh, telling me this awesome story, man. Yeah, well, it gets it gets better because oh I thought at first, well, this is this is it, you know, and I didn't realize the popularity of Petra around the world. Um, and it was three months later, dude, we're on a plane heading to Seoul, Korea. Um, and so I'm not like, well, this will be interesting to see, you know, how big Petra is actually in in Seoul, Korea, over in Asia. I'm like, all right, let's let's, let's go. go. <laughs> yeah, let's go. So, yeah, dude. And uh, I'm still like cutting my teeth on this two hour set, you know, and really still coming into my own as a professional uh, bass player um, and entertainer in that side of of the music world. And uh we, we get to Seoul, Korea, and they've sold out two nights in a row at the 88 Gymnasium where the Olympics were held in 1988. And you said sold and out? I, it was both two nights sold out. Oh, my. Um, both nights, 15,000 people each night. And at the, that was the first time that I r- saw um, the importance of, of Petra around the world and what they had built since 1974 when they cut their first album on word records and so i was just like oh my gosh i it was i was just completely blown away dude absolutely blown away and uh yeah we couldn't even go 
going to the malls in Korea, we couldn't, at, at one point, we couldn't go by ourselves anymore. We had to have security because people were following us into the bathrooms when I went to take a piss and they wanted to get pictures of us peeing oh, in the geez. bathroom. Oh, man. It was crazy, dude. It was yeah. that nuts. Yep. It was oh, yeah. that nuts. So, so it was like, yeah, it was like the Beatles uh, had come to town and I had did not think that that was to the extent of what it actually really was. Wow. But dude, it was just another level. And then it was then South America, bro. It was a whole nother level beyond Korea and Brazil and Colombia, Argentina, Dominican Republic, Costa Rica. I had, I just, it was the most crazy thing that I had ever seen in my entire life. I had no idea that a Christian rock band could have that impact on people uh, around the world. It was just unbelievable. So me just getting in the band, I was like, oh, this is killer. But then 23 countries and five of the seven continents of the world in just two years blew my mind at that point. Yeah. And then I'm just like, this is crazy. And then, and then... Um, it went to a whole nother level. <laughs> it went to a whole nother level when uh, I got my first Grammy nomination. And so I didn't think that was even possible. Right? Um, I mean, here you are playing with a rock band of of the ages, and the the pinnacle of accomplishments in music is a Grammy, right? Like, that's what... completely. And now here you are, so you've toured the world, and I I wanted to say something. You're in in Korea, which is predominantly, is it it Buddhist? What's the uh, religious... Okay. So here you are as a Christian rock band, touring in a country that's predominantly buddhist and you're proclaiming the gospel of jesus over there and they're still clamoring to just get a picture of you using the 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 restroom like how crazy is that like it's not even to me that blows my mind because i've done security for 22 plus years and you know i've worked with a lot of artists you know a lot of legendary artists And I'll be honest, man, that idea that people are so willing to just get a glimpse of you, to just touch you. And you're like, really? Do you know where I'm from? Do you know, like, where I grew up? And it's crazy to see people respond that way. So, I mean, so here you are touring the world, man, sharing the gospel of Jesus. And then, boom, the Grammys, which is something I'm sure you probably didn't ever think that you might until you did win. Here you are, and now the opportunity for a Grammy. So, oh man, yeah, this is just getting it's, better, it's bro. Unbelievable! Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, no, dude, it's it's un, it's insane. So we get that that Grammy nod and go to the Grammys, and there we are. They do a pre-Grammy party that uh, everybody who's nominated, you go to this party, and they give you a medallion, and you get this rad little medallion with that year's Grammy logo. Uh, and then uh, on the front and on the on the back with the band name and the year and stuff like that on on that medallion, they're just absolutely gorgeous. So, but in this room, of course, is there's you um, two and there's Madonna and there's the guys from ACDC and I'm just standing in this room now, TK, just like freaking out about the whole wow. thing. I'm just like, oh my gosh, dude. This is insane right yeah, now. Yeah, I I'm agree. Like, that would be what insane. Is this, this? It, uh, yeah, I was just dumbfounded by the talent, uh, 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 the, the world talent that was standing in that room. You know, there's a band, there's a cover band that's playing and everybody's eating and drinking, dude, and having the best time. And I was just, I could not believe it again. And I go back to 
in my mind to those moments where my dad is teaching me how to play bass with uh you know the gaither vocal band cassette in and i'm learning the bass how to how to how to play to those those albums yep you know yes. and i was just like this is just crazy right now so the next year we get nominated again for a rock record of the year gospel rock record of the year and, and it's the same thing it's just really cool we don't we don't win that one so i'm just like well you know I've, at least i've been nominated twice that's right. a really cool thing the next year comes around we're not nominated at all but we put out this album called double take and uh it's basically a remake if you will of some old petra stuff that we made uh uh kind of in this rad acoustic um slash rock version of some of the older petra stuff it was called double take and we put it out and we get nominated again third finally, time a third time wow, so i'm like hat trick. third time the charm yeah. you know uh, maybe I, I don't know dude I, and I doubt it now I'm just really doubting, doubting it and um, so we go to the Grammys I'm at the pre-party again and really cool story um, in this party over in a corner dude I see this gentleman just sit, older gentleman sitting by himself and he's just eating some shrimp he's eating a little he got a little a plate of shrimp from the table and here's again here's all these people dude from Eminem Jay-Z Beyonce they're all in this massive room dude in this dark corner is this older gentleman so I'm just kind of watching him a little bit he's by himself so it's dark I walk over there and I sit down as I get closer to him I'm looking at him like getting closer to him and he looks up at me and I look at him and it's BB King Oh boy! What the freak, dude? So I'm like, uh, uh, immediately I'm like, hey, BB, do you mind if I sit down and join you? And he's like, no, come on, you come on, yeah. So I have my little plate of food and I sit down and for 20 minutes, I talk with BB King, just him and I, and no one sees us because we're out in this this dark little corner of this massive room, and it was the most crazy thing in my entire life. To sit down with bb king by myself and just chat with this brother and it was absolutely fantastic oh i agree and just his insight and he was just open to conversation with me and asking me questions and it was so freaking special dude it was unbelievable one moment a couple of those little moments that i will just never forget in my entire life and so the next day was the grammys and steve vai was reading off uh, our nomination. Wow. And uh, Steve so Vai, wow. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, geez, just guitar to be able to... player. Oh, one yeah. of the best on the planet. Oh, yeah, you know, for sure. Hands down. Best guitar players ever. And so he's reading off our category and opens up the envelope and it's just just like you see on TV. And the winner is, they said, Petra. And I about fell over backwards out of my chair, dude. It was the <laughs> most incredible feeling on that third time to finally win. And we go up there and we do our acceptance speech thing and then we go backstage and it's at that point they take a picture of you they hand you a grammy it's not the grammy that you'll get uh because they send those in the mail to everybody right. um but they give you a gra- everybody a grammy and you get your picture taken right there then you're assigned a person dude and it's 45 minutes of press from one room to another room to another room this is all at the staples center in los los angeles okay so for the next 45 minutes it's just press from mtv to vh1 the new york times la times chicago tribune 
you know, and it's just these different rooms of all the all the different media, and they're asking you questions, and yeah, and you're holding this Grammy as you're walking through all these different rooms, and it was just so surreal again that this punk preachers kid from Ben Oregon is being able to do that. <laughs> oh, and it was man. just absolutely fantastic, and it, it was amazing. Now that I look back at it at this point in time and date, the category right before ours was Rock Video of the Year that the Foo Fighters had won. Um, I think it was for Monkey Monkey Wrench. Oh, boy. And they had won the video. So right in front of us, because you're kind of in line with all the categories that go, you know, right before you. Right, right. So through this line is Taylor Hawkins and Dave Grawl and the guys from the Foo Fighters that are just... So you start building these relationships and conversations with fans that are in front of you that have won um, just prior and it was unbelievable as i look back at it now and being able to meet taylor hawkins you know and talk to him in the young years if you will of the foo fighters it was just something so freaking amazing dude it was crazy to me to look back at that and uh have those conversations with dave Grohl and uh taylor hawkins oh man I, and you know it's crazy you say that because um you know they came out of um uh, uh nirvana right dave Grohl and Yep. Taylor Hawkins, they came yep. out of Nirvana. So you're, here yep. you are coming from the, a similar like region of the of the country, and I don't know if you if you ever listened to Nirvana growing up, but that was like I remember oh, when they hit when Teen Smells Like Teen Spirit hit, and the literally the hair band um, genre of music like died. It was like the day the music died, right? And so. Yep. For right. you to stand there and be able to talk to some guys like that, and you're like, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm not just I'm not a roadie man. I'm not a tour manager. I'm actually part of the band, you know. And I get to go get one. I mean, <laughs> yep. I mean, that's humbling because let's be honest, bro. Like, you know, when you when you sit in rooms with kings, and I use the term kings as far as like when it comes to music, for example, when you sit in rooms with people that have won multiple Grammys and have sold millions of records, and 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 you know, people know them all over the world, and you sit there and you're like. You know, I'm I'm six foot eight, bro. I'm a big dude, and so, you know, I, with the, the times that I've gotten to sit with artists who are in that caliber, and I feel so small in those moments, right? And the the beautiful thing though is that those artists that I've gotten to sit with and talk to, they've never made me feel like I was insignificant. They never made me feel like I wasn't important, even though I wasn't at their caliber music wise and you know awards and stuff. They always made me feel like I was important. And so I can't imagine the feeling that you had standing here getting ready to go and accept an award. And then you see these guys, you're like, oh, hey, by the way, oh, that's, you know, the Foo Fighters. Like, that's crazy, man. Yeah. That's nuts. No, it was it was unbelievable, dude. Um, yeah. And so it was, and it also in the next couple of years after that, like the run of Petra speaking of Nirvana, and the whole grunge scene was completely destroying, you know, the uh, the hairband market, <laughs> the oh, yeah. market, which Petra was in and Whiteheart was in, you know, and you started seeing that decline um, in, in all of that. And even during that, right after the Grammy Awards, um, it was my brother, Chad and Michael Tate, which I'd become really fast friends with uh, because of my brother, Chad, because Chad and Michael Michael Tate from uh, Michael Tate. For those who don't know, uh, was in DC Talks. He was the yeah, black guy. Yeah, buddy, let's go. And so Chad, so they met. Um, they met at a party and became fast friends. My brother Chad and Michael, and then became roommates. Um, and this is probably halfway through my Petra run. 
And so Chad became a really great writer, wrote a lot of songs for DC Talk. And uh, we just, the three of us became really, really close. And we just started writing together to the three of us um, for Kicks and Giggles, man, and just was really enjoying it and started demoing some songs. And then it came to a point to where um, DC Talk was telling everybody that they're going to take a break and they're going, the three of them, Toby, Michael and Kevin are going kind of their separate ways for a little bit inside of that camp. I knew what was really going on. Right. It was not a break. Right. It was, <laughs> right. It, they weren't just going to take a break and come back. I knew it was a breakup. And so we started Tate. We were looking back at a lot of those songs that we were demoing uh, between Chad, Michael and myself and, and a guitar player friend of ours by the name of Pete Stewart that I had been out on tour with, with uh, White when I was with Whiteheart and Petra. He was in Grandma Train. He was the lead singer and guitar player for Grandma Train. And uh, so the four of us uh, were demoing a bunch of songs. And it was like once DC Talk made the announcement, I made the announcement then to Petra that I was moving on to play with my brother Chad, Michael Tate, and Pete Stewart um to start this band called tate and so that was it i had my last few shows with petra and we went in the studio immediately to start tracking uh a new tate record because we had just signed uh, a record deal with forefront slash sony sony records man and off we went dude off we went so we tracked the first uh tate record which was called empty and it just it went off man and we had a ball and it was so amazing because finally the dream of playing with my brother was coming true on yes. big major changes. dude yes. what we thought and dreamt about as little boys again in my dad's garage uh just playing as loud as we possibly could you know um all of a sudden we were looking at each other and it's like here we go it's here on go. man it is on and so it was just absolutely fantastic. So we did the empty record and then we toured it for uh, a year and a half. And we went right back in the studio and did Lose This Life album and went right at that. And we were back on the road again, man, traveling the planet and just having the best time because I was playing with my brother, Chad, you know, and it was, uh, and it, it was at that point that I really saw how important and how massive it is for brothers to play with each other huge uh, how tight of how tight a rhythm section can be um and just didn't think it, it was that important but realizing it at that point uh, everybody was like it's it's insanely tight and we just you don't see it like that very often well that's all the time we have for part one of lonnie chapin's music journey but don't worry there is a part two and there's some really cool stories that Lonnie shared with me about his tour days, different bands he's played with. So I hope you come back and check it out because he's got some really, really interesting stuff to share with you about what's happening in 2023. I think it's pretty dope. You've been listening to TK's A Brigade, the music series. You can find it on every major podcast platform, Anchor, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Please go like and subscribe. There are three other seasons of TK's A Brigade on those websites, so please don't be shy. Anyone interested in leaving a comment or question, please do. Hit the support button, hit the like button. I hope you enjoyed this series, and until next time, take it easy.